Semester 5, Episode 10 of our Just Admitted podcast, where former deans and directors of admission give expert insight into higher ed landscapes. I'm Krista, College Admissions Counselor at Ivy Wise and former Assistant Director of Admissions at Johns Hopkins University. And joining me today are two, my, two of my friends and fellow Ivy Wise counselors, June, who is a former admissions officer at Stanford University School of Medicine, and Rod, a former our Associate Director of Admission at Case Western University. In this episode, we're going to share our advice for students who are considering pursuing STEM or pre-med tracks. So to kick us off today, I want to start by talking about the difference between STEM and pre-med. We'll be talking about both in this podcast, but I think it's helpful to just make that definition. So STEM means that you are interested in the natural sciences, technology, engineering, and or math. Pre-med means somebody who is preparing for medical school applications. So it's a common misconception that you have to be STEM to be a pre-med potential student to potentially be interested in going to medical school. So you can definitely major in bio, chem, things like that, and simultaneously prepare for med school, but you can also major in English and be on the pre-med track at many colleges. So the majority of applicants to med schools do tend to be STEM undergraduate majors, but there are those students who are also social science and humanities applicants as well. And we can definitely in this podcast talk more about how that's possible, but I just wanted to start us off by talking about these differences because that's a conversation I have with many students about what should I major in in preparation for medical school down the line. And so it's important to know that while STEM and pre-med definitely overlap, if it's a Venn diagram, they aren't necessarily 100% overlapping. So June and Rod, what are your thoughts about that? Thanks for thanks for that uh, intro, Krista. Um, I definitely agree. I think that's one of the conversations I typically have with pre-med students um, because they are under uh, this. They're usually under, you know, some students are usually under the misconception that to be a pre-med student, uh, you have to be a particular major, uh, not recognizing that like pre-med for uh, for the most part is not a major in itself. Uh, it just means that you plan to uh, apply to and ultimately go to med school. And depending on the institution that you ultimately go to, uh, you can actually have the freedom to absolutely major in anything that you want to, as well as you, uh, as long as you come, uh, complete those pre-med prerequisites, uh, by the time you graduate. So that's, uh, definitely a popular conversation that usually have with students that are interested, uh, in pre-med about how they can go about their undergrad education. And I would agree with what Rod just uh, shared, um, I've always encouraged undergraduates to pursue the majors uh, that really are interesting to them and that they're passionate about, um, rather than trying to choose a major that they think a med school wants or prefers, because a med school doesn't want or prefer any specific type of major. As Krista mentioned earlier, uh, I've seen uh, undergraduates in who have a major as a dramatic arts major applying to med school, uh, obviously English and other liberal arts and social science uh, majors who've applied. But the vast majority, I would say, are STEM only because I think something to think about is with STEM, uh, a lot of the prereqs for 
med schools and other allied health programs are already built into the curriculum. And if you choose to be an English major, uh, it could be a little challenging. How do you fit physics or math or whatever it is uh, into your curriculum and into your um, uh, planning for the quarter or semester? So that could be a little bit challenging versus being a typical like biology major where those um, classes are already built in. So I just encourage everybody to really think about what is your interest and your passions and really pursue that and not uh, hopefully worry so much about uh, is this the right major for what a med school wants to see? Yeah, I'll also add to that too. One of my students, we had interns who were college students in the admissions office at Hopkins. And one of our students would tell me about, he was an English major and talk about how he was learning through his program, how to communicate with others and how to, he was taking sociology classes and learning about different populations he'd be serving. He took different foreign languages so he could better communicate in that way, right? So he was getting different perspectives that do impact medicine through his more humanities and social science programs. So I encourage my students when it's time for them to go off to college, no matter what they decide to ultimately major in, think through what are the things that are going to make you a strong doctor, right? And how do you gain those skills or that education to help you get there. And of course, some of that is going to be the STEM, but there is going to be the non-STEM pieces as well. So however you put that together with majors and minors or elective classes, right? Thinking through that because it's gaining that holistic picture more so than just being kind of pigeonholed into one perspective of medicine. So that's a conversation that we used to have in our admissions office all the time with our students who were interns while they were in college, but also prospective students of just like June was saying, follow what you're genuinely passionate about, but also what you genuinely want to learn about, because that will ultimately help you gain the right skills. But also you are going to be more excited about those classes and you're going to be more engaged in those classes, which will then help you get stronger letters of recommendation, right? Get those stronger uh, experiences outside the classroom as well. So it's kind of a chicken egg situation. Uh, yeah, so that's a great point, um, which you made, Krista, because with uh, med schools, definitely, and, and this is really true for all allied health programs, um, they're not looking for a one-dimensional applicant. They really are looking for well-rounded applicants. So you're pursuing a helping career. They certainly want to see that you, number one, are interested in helping others, and you enjoy helping others. So that can translate into volunteer experiences, whether that's in a hospital, a clinic. Um, it could be working with homeless, the homeless uh, population or being a mentor or a tutor to uh, young young children. So these are other helping experiences that um, med schools are looking for too. It doesn't always have to be medically related. Uh, that's important. They would just want to see that you have an interest in helping others and you have a broad interest in the world and not just um, a specific area um, and that you're only focusing on trying to get into med school. They want to understand that you under you really know the different or have a, at least an idea of the different um, 
issues and problems that we face, whether that's in this country or if you're thinking about being a physician in Doctors Without Borders uh, for the rest of the world. Um, I think there's an interesting point um, that you've touched on there, June, uh, just talking a little bit about um, sort of what medical schools are are looking for. But I uh, want to bring that back to, to what um, colleges are looking for uh, when you apply as a pre-med student. Um, and, and, you know, kind of before diving into that, I think when you look at students in med school, um, you see that uh, these students basically uh, follow different paths pathways to get there. Um, some students have usually known uh, their whole lives that they want to be doctors. And then you also have some students in med school that, you know, really did not know until <clears throat> uh, at some point during their college career uh, that they wanted to be doctors. And yet you have some students that, you know, it's not until after graduation that they decide to pursue this pathway. So naturally, one of the things that you get is that uh, you have students that have uh, pursued significantly different pathways to get to med school. Uh, and this isn't just in terms of what, you know, they decide to major in, but also uh, how they apply to med school. Um, and there are several different pathways that uh, students can pursue to get to uh, med school. But basically, two of uh, the more popular pathways that exist at this point uh, would be what we, we, we call the traditional uh, pathway. And then another one that would like to highlight is sort of like the BSMD pathway um and there are quite a few uh similarities and and differences between the two that i do want to touch on on this podcast but um more strictly from a high school student really applying to college perspective um but for those that are really unfamiliar with with the terms like traditional bsmd here uh traditional basically just refers to completing a four-year college degree and then applying to med school um you know if you're going straight through then that would typically be during the summer between your junior senior year uh, of college uh, but you also have some students that can basically take a gap year or several gap years before applying to med school and that would still be a traditional pathway um, and then on the other hand you have the bsmd um pathway or BSMD program. Um, and that's known by a lot of different names. You typically hear things like um, combined um, medical programs, direct medical programs, accelerated uh, medical programs, but these are pretty much uh, referring to the same thing. Uh, but just for, for the purpose of simplicity uh, for this podcast, would like to just call, uh, call them BSMD um, programs or pathway. And these allow basically high school students to be able to gain admission to um, undergrad institutions and a partner medical school uh, at the same time. And a big appeal for these programs is that depending on the program, you can typically kind of get your uh, MCAT requirements waived or you can skip through basically what is um, uh, I suppose a long, long, strenuous and really competitive med school application uh, process. Uh, but this can be a really good thing for 
a student that is uh, exceptional, uh, that is focused uh, and is mature uh, and committed to a career in medicine. Um, these programs can allow you to thrive. But if you're still, if you're just like a casual, uh, a student that is casually interested in pre-med, it can sort of um, hinder your overall, overall development. Um, I think when, when uh, institutions are looking at what makes a strong pre-med student, it does then depend on if you are applying as a traditional pre-med or if you're applying for uh, a BSMD program. Uh, and there quite, can be quite a few differences between the two, but uh, just um, I, I guess I'm going to be leaning on on you here, Krista, uh, to kind of just juxtapose between like, um, I suppose, pre-med, STEM uh, and BSMD, since you 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 have quite a, a a bit of experience like working with those students and and yourself as well, Joan, uh, advising uh, students that are interested in going to um, med school. And the area I really want to start with is sort of like academics. Um, it's evident that a strong uh, or stellar academic uh, record is very important if you are if you are to be a strong STEM applicant or pre-med or BSMD uh, applicant. But uh, how would you say that that looks like for, how would you say uh, that picture looks like for a strong STEM applicant? Yeah, so whether STEM or pre-med, um, you know, a lot, a lot of our advice is going to be very similar, but with pre-med, as you were just talking about, there are those direct BSMD programs, right? Whereas the traditional undergraduate path, um, you are applying to the undergraduate institution first and foremost, right? So in that case, it's not about the angle of becoming a doctor, right? It's about how are you going to embrace that undergraduate campus? And so with STEM students more generally, that's also what they're evaluating. So um, they're looking at how have you developed your interests so far and also looking at how that institution then is a match given your specific interests. So when I talk about developing an interest so far, for instance, if you are interested in creating more um, or cleaner, sustainable electrical engineering devices, for example, right? Um how have you gotten the right prep work so far to help you with that goal? So if you're an engineering student, for example, maybe you want to take more advanced physics and math classes given what's offered at your high school or if your high school has a dual enrollment program with a local college, right? Um, looking at if you're developing this interest outside the classroom as well. So not only are you challenging yourself in the courses and engaging in those courses and doing well in those, but also how are you extending your learning and trying to develop that interest in your spare time too. And so whether that's through clubs in your high school, through internships outside of class, doing research, or even creating your own project, how are you engaging in that, right? How are you meeting that end goal? So I'll give you an example. Um, at Hopkins, a year or two ago, we had admitted a student who holds two different patents for the first multi-probe injection EpiPen in the world, and another student who published research on using computational medicine to predict ovarian cancer, right? that Those are extreme examples, but um, it shows you that these students are intellectually curious, not just in the classroom, but also getting those applied experiences. 
And so that's what creates a strong STEM student, whether it's pre-med or a different form of STEM um, or STEM more generally. It's that the student has challenged themselves both in and outside the classroom, given their specific interests, right? A student who's interested in electrical engineering isn't going to be doing the same thing as a student who is interested in chemistry, right, for example. So developing that interest, being able to verbalize what that interest is. Um, that's what I'm finding with some of the younger students is that it takes a long time to really think through what your interest is. And when I talk about your interest, I'm not saying you have to know exactly what you want to do with your job after graduation, right? If you're not pre-med and you're not quite sure yet, that is okay. That is totally fine. But developing a general interest area and working towards that both in the classes that you select and your experiences outside the classroom. And so that also then, because you've developed this interest, you've gotten those experiences, you'll better be able to choose colleges that are the right fit for you. So if you're really interested in electrical engineering and Rod University has amazing, not only electrical engineering opportunities in and outside the classroom, but also if you want to combine that with sustainable creating sustainable project or products rather from the example I used earlier, right? So maybe Rod University also has a lot of great opportunities to practice creating sustainable engineering or electrical engineering rather products through their classes, through their extracurriculars, through their research, things like that. And so you'll be able to verbalize that in the essays that you write for colleges. On the flip side, right, understanding what you like helps eliminate some colleges. So when I worked at Hopkins, we would get essays from applicants saying things like, oh, I'm so excited for your nursing program. I'm so excited to be eventually become a nurse. Well, Hopkins doesn't have an undergraduate nursing program. So that showed us that maybe we weren't the right institution for that student. And therefore, that weakened their application inherently because we just weren't the right fit for them. And so it's really important to develop that interest, start to discover what you personally want to tackle in this world, right? If it's a problem you want to solve or something new you want to invent, right? Making the steps in your high school undergraduate or high school career to start working towards that and then understanding what type of institution would be a good fit for you given that. So that was a lot of information thrown at once, a very high level overview. But what what are your thoughts on that, Rod and June? Well, um, I was going to say that is a lot of uh, information, good information you you threw out there, Krista. Um, And some of the things that that like really stuck out is is kind of um, as a student really getting to make sure that you develop this narrative that shows that um, you've pursued meaningful opportunities to be able to engage and like sort of develop um, the interest that you might have, whether it's within the classroom or or like outside of it. Um, And everything that you said is not just true for for stem as you mentioned before but but also uh as a pre-med student but i wanted to add a bit more so for you know a student that is specifically applying for for uh bsmd uh direct medical programs because um stem and pre-med tend to be some of the more or or some of the most competitive uh applicant pools that you find for for just about any institution but for an institution that has a bsmd program almost without fail that is usually the most cutthroat 
pool that the institution will have to offer. Um, so for a student that's thinking about applying for, for such programs, um, in order to be competitive, you basically have to bring your A game both literally and figuratively. Um, Krista spoke about uh, the need to take challenging cl classes. Um, and for STEM pre-med, that's usually the case. Uh, definitely in math and sciences, you want to make sure that um, you are really challenging yourself in those areas. You are, you know, sort of exhausting the curriculum that uh, your school has to offer in those particular areas or at the very least to be a very strong candidate um, for more selective institutions, you usually uh, want to have seen at least BC calculus at an advanced level or uh, beyond that and have taken, you know, um, chemistry, physics, biology. And for a pre-med student, something like AP biology becomes uh, very important or an, an advanced level biology class, uh, depending on what sort of curriculum that you're you're actually pursuing. But for a BSMD program, it's not just important that you challenge yourself in these areas, but you do so in all five academic domains. And these would be English, uh, math, science, social studies, foreign language. You want to be taking the most challenging uh, and rigorous courses uh, sort of um, across the board. So you typically see competitive uh, BSMD students will be taking um, a really heavy course load, you know, starting really their sophomore year, their uh, junior, senior year. There's no uh, taking a, a foot off the, 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 the brakes or, or off the pedal, if you if you will. And these are usually strong students. They will be overwhelmingly A students. Uh, and if your school ranks would typically be somewhere in the top five, 10 percent or so of their graduating classes. And, and this can be important because not only will this serve as a screening mechanism, so institutions with BSMD program will usually screen for grades. They will screen for your curriculum. Um, and, and so it's very important that if you want to um, put your best foot forward, that you're really challenging yourself. You're making the most out of uh, the academic opportunities offered to you, but you're also taking um, testing because I know, especially now and during the pandemic, a lot of institutions have offered uh, or have gone uh, test optional and uh, many institutions might not might give you the opportunity to apply test optional even to a BSMD uh, program but I think at IV wise the sentiment is generally that you should still be submitting testing uh, if you can um, because even though uh, there are programs that allow you to apply test optional we are seeing that uh, when when finalists are selected for for these programs, um, they overwhelmingly tend to be students that have submitted testing. And I think, you know, it, to some degree, it sort of makes sense because when you want to become a doctor, there's so much uh, testing involved in that sort of pathway. Not only do you have to, well, some some uh, BSMD programs still require you to take the MCAT. So that might be, um, you know, an exam that you have to take. You have to worry about the exams that you take while you're um, actually in med school, you have to worry about the boards and things like that. So there's quite a bit of testing on that pathway to ultimately become a doctor. Um, and so um, the advice I would usually give is um, if you have the opportunity to to submit test scores, you should still be doing so 
even if an institution is offering you uh, a test optional route for a BSMD program. But John, as someone that, you know, actually also works with um, with students that are, you know, applying to med school, what is sort of your take on that? Uh, my understanding is all med schools are requiring the MCAT. Um, I think during, when the pandemic started, that was optional, but I'm pretty confident that they're all returning to re- requiring the MCAT as part of the admissions uh, process to apply. Um, you know, we we uh, received a, a question from listeners uh, that is some, somewhat related to what you were talking about earlier, Rod and, and Krista. Uh, the question is, um, which universities feed the most students to med school? And, um, you know, if you visit the website, www.collegetransitions, one word, .com. Uh, it has a list of uh, the different colleges and universities. I think as a high school student, thinking about which college or university I should apply to, you really don't want to think about, is this college or university going to guarantee admission into med school? Nothing guarantees admission into med school. But um, think about uh, how you are as a student. If you're someone who can basically function well as a number, and what I mean by that is uh, University of Michigan and UC Berkeley is on this list here. I, I know those are very big schools. Uh, Berkeley, having worked there before, uh, there was a physics in a classroom of 700 students. So if you feel comfortable having 699 classmates, um, maybe that's the place for you. But if you're somebody that needs more interaction and opportunities to interact with your faculty, uh, then consider a smaller school. I guess the pros about applying to larger schools is the opportunities that would be available, for example, if you know you have an interest in research, these, these schools will probably have some wonderful uh, opportunities to pursue research, whether that's in a lab, your typical lab research, or maybe clinical research because there's a hospital connected to that uh, school. Um, but on the other hand, if you choose a smaller school, maybe not as well as well known, you could actually create opportunities for yourself, which demonstrates some leadership abilities on your on your end. Uh, and that's also a very good, um, and that puts you in a very good light, I think, for many med schools um, to be able to not only create opportunities, but you're thinking out of the box, you're thinking about how to approach a, a problem differently. And so that's something that, uh, you could also do at a smaller school. Uh, typically, the larger schools are found in urban areas. Um, I'm not as familiar with maybe some of the smaller schools, geographically speaking, uh, how they relate to the Bay Area or to Boston or to Michigan. But, um, you know, that that might be something to just really think about is how are you as a student and where or what environment do you feel you would really thrive in um, to do your very best and reach your potential and uh, take advantage of all the opportunities that are available at the school? So 
I hope you're not trying to choose a school based on, you know, the name, brand or whatever of the school, because med schools and and I'm pretty confident the other allied health programs uh, that doesn't really um, ensure guarantee admission at all. Uh, They really want to see uh, what have you done at those schools uh, in terms of not only grades, uh, but also the volunteer experiences and other activities that you participated in uh, as an undergraduate student. Yeah, I'll, I'll chime in here as well. One thing that I advise my students to think about when they're selecting their undergraduate institution with pre med in mind is look into the pre med advising. Sometimes you have to essentially apply to get their help. Um, they want to make sure that they only take in advisees who have a certain GPA or certain other qualifications, whereas some other institutions will engage anybody who's interested in pre-med. So um, when you're looking at potential undergraduates and the percentages that they send to graduate schools, keep that in mind and keep in mind the percentages in lieu of is it a program where you have to apply for advising or is it a program where everybody gets advising? Right. Because the latter is going to be more impressive if everybody if they have a high percentage and everybody gets advising. Right. So I would say keep that in mind. Um, and then also going back to Rod's um, conversation about testing. I also just want to quickly point out that um, I had this conversation with a student last night, so it's front of my mind. Um, they are a lot of colleges are actually I wouldn't say a lot, but several colleges are starting to come out of the woodworks and say we are requiring testing as of next year. So, for example, Purdue, I think they made that announcement yesterday or the day before that they're going to be requiring all applicants to submit SAT or ACT scores. So when it comes to testing and being a strong student, no matter whether you're interested in STEM, pre-med or anything else, I highly, highly, highly recommend taking at least one sitting of the SAT or ACT so you can have the option to apply to colleges that will require because we don't know yet know all the colleges that will be test required for next year. So I just wanted to quickly put that point out there. Um, we'll see the direction that things go, whether a lot of colleges will still stay test optional for the long run or not, but we just don't know at this point in time. So I highly recommend going in that direction. I think the um, other thing, um, and I'm not as um, well-informed as you, Krista and Rod, probably, but uh, high school applying to um, a college or university, I know at least with medical schools, um, they're looking at residency. So if you're applying to a public medical school, um, they prefer residents of that particular state. Uh, They're going to invest a lot of money in you to educate you and train you. So they don't want you to leave the state to go to a different state and practice medicine. Uh, Private universities, everybody's paying the same tuition. Uh, So it doesn't matter uh, for private, but I wasn't sure about undergraduates applying to, um, or I I should, excuse me, I should say high school students applying to um, college, uh, how that works. Oh, Rod, do you want to take it? 
Yeah, yeah. I wanted to touch on that a little bit, John, and and thanks for bringing that up. Um, I think you know when it comes to high school students, uh, basically applying to, um, different colleges, uh, different institutions have different sort of priorities. Uh, you're absolutely right that some state, uh, state schools especially will prefer, um students from within that state you actually see that quite a bit for state uh schools where um the, the you know most students or the a significant number of students uh or a significant uh part of the student population for at the undergrad level comes from that particular state in which the institution is located and you tend to find that that is definitely still the case um at that um undergrad level but not so much for private institutions just like you mentioned where uh there's no difference in, in cost whether you're uh in state versus out of state and whatnot so some of the things that come to the table are more so like institutional priorities and then um you know if you're applying for pre-med uh, BSMD programs, I think some of the things that like really become underrated are like ascent, um, personal qualities and how they fit into a student's broader application. Uh, you tend to find that, you know, for students that are applying pre-med um, and usually BSMD program, uh, there are hundreds uh, and on, depending on the applicant pool could even be several thousand students that um, really meet the requirements for what makes a competitive applicant just on a surface level. That's, you know, looking at academics, looking at testing, looking at how pristine their um, resume is. And, and some of these things really come down to the granular uh, sort of details uh, where they're basically looking at like personal qualities. And that's especially true for, for BSMD type programs. Uh, BSMD's sort of results are like the least predictable of all programs that you can apply to uh, just because, you know, again, you might have the perfect test course, um, all A's on your transcripts, strong rigor, stellar resume, and still not uh, get selected as a finalist. And so I think it's important to basically have a conversation around some of those finer points that um, institutions might look at. Um, and I think some of the key ones to keep in mind are things like um, maturity, uh, things like leadership, uh, communication skills, um, mental fortitude, and whatnot. And when thinking about, you know, um, maturity, for example, uh, it really makes sense because, uh, especially from a BSMD perspective, um, it's important to to keep in mind that uh, your average BSMD um, student will enter into med school. Uh, as perhaps uh, one of the youngest students in that cohort of medical students in general. So it starts to really make sense as to why um, maturity is so important during that process, screening process when you're applying to get into college. Um, and I think one thing that you quickly notice about BSMD applicants is that they're really not normal high school students. Um, their high school resume, you know, usually reads somewhere on par with some 
even upper class college students, and in some case cases, will even blow those out of the water. Um, it really takes an incredibly mature student uh, to not only be able to identify their interests, but also sacrifice um, really their time and effort um, into building a resume that gives them um, a great deal of exposure to to the discipline. Um, and this is true true for not just BSMD students, for STEM students or pre med students as, as well. Um, and I think you'll find that like the strongest BSMD type applicants um, and even pre-med applicants generally adhere to, um, well, I suppose what I'd call the 1% better uh, principle. And so these are students that, you know, like wake up every day, they want to be a little bit better than they were yesterday. Uh, they have a positive attitude. They appreciate learning for learning's sake uh, rather than for the outcome. They're not learning for the grade, but rather because they really want to know, they they want to grow. Um, and this sort of enthusiasm and drive is something that is really hard to teach. Um, and when you consider that a career in medicine, especially it's a lifelong learning endeavor, um, you can start to see, you know, uh, why it's so important to to be able to to recruit a student or bring in a student that has this sort of uh, mentality about learning. And I think the other thing to think about is like, you know, when you're applying really for a BSMD program, what you're basically saying is that um, you know what it means to be a doctor and you are okay with the highs and lows that that come with such a career. So like being a doctor um, can be very stressful. Um, you often have to put yourself last in service of a greater good. Um, and you have to deal with decisions that hold life and death consequences, um, maybe even on a daily basis. And this is really uh, nothing trivial. It's not a trivial matter. Um, and only students that have a great deal of experience and maturity uh, can really appreciate the sacrifices that come uh, with enrolling in, in such a program and, and ultimately becoming um, a doctor. And so I suppose what I'm getting at is it's really important to, to be able to secure recommendations that like don't just speak to your maturity, um, your leadership potential, ability, uh, your communication skills, as well as um, mental fortitude. Uh, but Chris, uh, June, what, what do you both think? Yeah, I think that's a great point. It's not just about the grades and the test scores, right? It's really, to your point, about all, all those personal qualities and how you've developed outside the classroom as well. And that's really important to think about because you're not just going to be a student in that classroom, whether it's a pre-med student in the BSMD program or a STEM student, right? You're going to be a community member. And so they're considering both your academic fit, but also that, uh, that other fit as well when they're reading your applications. And so I think we've had a pretty good overview here of, yes, there are steps you can take to become a strong STEM or pre-med student based on the classes that you're taking and the tests that you were taking outside the classroom, like the SAT and ACT as well in preparation for undergrad. But it's also about growing and developing outside the classroom as well. And those are the factors that are going to propel you above and beyond, right? The numerous students across the country who are valedictorians and have straight A's, right? It's really all the additional pieces that are going to make you stand out in the highly selective pools and across, you know, all the different colleges. So um, either way, whether it's pre-med or STEM, right? It's about the whole student, not just the, what I'll say, quantitative pieces. It's both quantitative and qualitative. 
And uh, Rod, I'm glad you brought up that letters of recommendation. That is something that's, uh, I think, very important when applying to med schools. And um, going back to my point earlier about choosing what college or university to apply to, I I think a smaller uh, college or university, I'm, I'm guessing that you probably have greater opportunities to get to know your faculty, they get to know you, and hopefully they could write a really supportive letter of recommendation versus a larger school. Um, that's not to say that a larger school, they could not get to know you, but it might be a little bit more challenging on their time versus uh, a smaller environment. Uh, so I know we're wrapping up pretty soon. Um, so, but I just wanted to emphasize that point that Rod made earlier about letters of recommendation. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, uh, to kind of uh, round up the point, I think, um, um, Krista, John, you, you've both shared uh, some really great information here. You know, so when you think about uh, what it takes to be a strong STEM, a strong um, uh, pre-med student, uh, you definitely have, you know, the the um, academic um credentials uh you have the the rigor of the curriculum that you pursue you have uh grades and and like grade trends within that that are going to be important and you have uh the testing that uh obviously are always going to play an important part but i think uh within the college admission landscape one of the things that we're seeing more and more of is that it's becoming really competitive um it seems like more and more so from year to year so it's um it's becoming increasingly difficult for just the 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 hard factors to to be able to uh, differentiate students. So some of these uh, softer factors are are becoming increasingly important. Uh, but not just that, you know, being able to craft a narrative, uh, being a student that has uh, pursued meaningful opportunities to be able to um, to to learn more about the field uh, that you are interested in, to immerse yourself, uh, gain exposure to that field that's becoming more and more important. It used to be the case that, you know, colleges were looking for students that were well-rounded and had a variety of experiences. But nowadays we're finding more and more that, you know, uh, colleges are interested in specialists, you know. So if you want to be a STEM student, like uh, Krista mentioned before, if you're interested in engineering, you should probably be seeking those opportunities to learn more um, about what engineering is about. If you want to be a pre-med student, you should be seeking uh, those opportunities to shadow, to uh, take advantage of research, uh, maybe volunteering at places like nursing homes and like whatnot to to gain exposure um, into the field and and discipline. Uh, and this ap- applies uh, basically um, across the board, but uh, not to be neglected as well uh, is really developing those relationships with your faculty, which are high school counselors, because those are people that are going to be able to uh, write recommendations and basically address your um, your approach to school and personal qualities. Are you someone that, you know, respects your differences with your peers? Are you engaged in the classroom? Um, do you, um, you know, are you a good community member? That's um, increasingly important. And so it's important that these people know you just beyond the classroom and uh, as well as who you are as a community member. So I think those uh, are basically, you know, uh, kind of um, 
that's a basically an overview of some of the things that we touched on today and uh i think that basically wraps it up for this episode um so thank you all for tuning in to just admit it uh catch up on all of all of our previous episodes by visiting our podcast page and be sure to bookmark our knowledge base for additional help uh, with navigating the complex and competitive admissions landscape. In our next episode, we're going to share some insight into how college students can start preparing for graduate school or entering the workforce. So if you have questions about getting ready for life after undergrad, you can email them to us at podcast at ivwise.com. Again, that is podcast at ivwise.com so that we can try to address your most pressing questions. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok for more higher ed resources. Thanks, everyone. And thank you, Krista and Joan.